0: This talk was given by Ronald Hogan Green Sensei at Zen Mountain Monastery. Hogan Sensei is a lay teacher in the Mountains and Rivers Order and the co-director of the Zen Center of New York City. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation, please visit our website at zmm.mro.org donate. Thanks for listening.
1: Good morning, everybody. Uh, for those of you who are new to Zen Mountain Monastery, in place of the usual dharma discourse this morning, we'll be having a dharma encounter. dharma encounter is embedded in the uh, three-month ango training period that we're currently in the middle of. And uh, that three-month ango period is a period of intensified training that um, students, non-students, anyone who practices in the mountains and rivers order, is welcome to apply to and commit to in intensifying their zazen and the other eight gates of training during that three months of training, including usually a Shoshin and other uh, attending another retreat, either at the temple or here. Now the uh, historical reference for Uh, Ango goes back to the time of the Buddha when the monastics would uh, cease from their wandering uh, and gather in a large group as a Sangha, just as we're gathered, uh, during the rainy season for about a three-month period. And during that time there'd be uh, teachings offered by the senior teachers, by the Buddha, there'd be discourses, Um, there'd be lots of zazen, and uh, there'd be Dharma encounters. And many of those Dharma encounters are, are recorded on the Pali Canon, so you can get a, a sense of that particular style of interaction between um, the teacher and, uh, and monastic students' practitioners. Uh, so that tradition uh, continues down to this time. Um, the... Uh, Another important aspect of the ANGO itself is that uh, it's an opportunity for a junior student to have a rite of passage into becoming a senior student and taking up the responsibility of uh, added uh, leadership training responsibilities and during these three months uh, that um, Shuso, a head seminarian, has the opportunity to uh, get training in liturgy, to um, sit next to uh, in the zendo next to uh, Shugen Roshi, so he's, he or she is at the head of the zendo, and able to uh, give inspiration and inspirational talks during during zazen, and and generally act as a model of practice uh, and put their energy and their effort. into into being that model, both for themselves and for the sangha. The uh, shuso this time is Raksan. Where is Raksan? Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, I've known him a long time. He's uh, um, initially started training in the 1960s and uh, trained at... uh, Mount Baldy Monastery in California, and uh, made his way to Zen Mountain Monastery in the 1990s. Uh, he received jikai with Daito Roshi and was ordained by Shugen Roshi, and so here he is. Uh, the Dharma Encounter itself uh, is um, a particular form of teaching, and it's similar to Doksan or Daisan, in that it's one-to-one, the the difference uh, is that it's public, whereas or Dyson is private. Um, and it's not it's confidential. So no one knows what happens in the in the in the room between a teacher and a student. Here we get a chance to, to actually uh, either participate in that encounter and or see others participating in the, in that encounter. Um or Dyson usually is very direct pointing towards helping the student awaken. Um, This is too, but it may also be a bit more discursive. It depends on the student and the circumstances and what's being offered as a question. Um, So the topic at hand. We've been studying body-mind study of the way during the sangha. One of the features of ango is that there's a, a particular aspect, of focus of training. And I want to take up uh, one aspect of that. Uh, starting with the um, opening words, uh, Shugen Roshi in yesterday mentioned that the opening words of a, of a fascicle by Dogen usually summarize the whole fascicle. So the heart of it is right in that first paragraph. So um, I want to say that again because that sets the tone for what we're going to explore. Uh, He says, without practice, the Buddha way cannot be attained. Without study, it remains remote. Nanyu Zen Master Dayu said, it is not that there is no practice and no realization. It is just that they cannot be divided. So this is the basis of body mind study of the way. These statements there's more but going directly to the heart of it. So Master Dogen says there is the thought of enlightenment. Bits and pieces of straight the thought of enlightenment is the mind of enlightenment. Bits and pieces of straightforward mind. The mind of ancient buddhas, everyday mind and the three realms the mind of the three realms, which is samsara, which are one mind, the three realms are one mind. Sometimes you study the way by casting off mind. Sometimes you study the way by taking up the mind. Either way, study the way with thinking and study the way with non-thinking. So I want to look at mind, particularly everyday mind, Um, ordinary mind. And the term everyday mind, ordinary mind, is not a casual term. Every practitioner knew where that came from, in a slightly different translation. But it came from a very famous encounter uh, between Cho and Nankuin, or Joshu in Japanese, which probably we've all heard of uh, from the koan, Does the Dog Have Buddha Nature? And so, in this particular encounter, Chao Cho is young. He's probably about 18. He's not been realized, but he has the the heart of a true seeker. And he goes to Nanquan, a very, very well known, uh, respected teacher. And he asks him, What is the Tao? What is the Buddha way? Nanquan says, Ordinary mind is the way. Chao Cho asked, should we direct ourselves towards it or not? And Nanquan said, if you try to direct yourself towards it, you go away from it. Chao Cho asked, if we do not try, then how can we know it is the Tao? Nanquan said, the way does not belong to knowing or not knowing. Knowing is an illusion. Not knowing is blankness or ignorance. If you really attain to the Tao of no doubt, it is vast and boundless. How can there be right or wrong in the Tao? And with these words, Chow Chow had an awakening. Should I adjust my microphone? So I'm going to read some sections relating to that to ordinary mind, everyday mind. And then at the end, I'll offer some suggestions for questions and I'll read the, the sections again because it's a, it's a lot to hold. And for those who come up, if um, you're a little lost, I can read in the section again. So Dogen says, everyday mind opens the gate of the inner chamber. Because thousands of gates and myriads of doors open and close all at once, it is everyday mind. Now, this boundless sky and entire earth are like unrecognized words, a voice from the deep. Words are all inclusive, mind is all inclusive, things are all inclusive. Although there was birth and death in each moment of this life of birth and death, the body after the final body is never known. Even though you do not know it, if you arouse the thought of enlightenment, you will move forward on the way to enlightenment. The moment is already here. Do not doubt it in the least. Even if you should doubt it, this is nothing but everyday mind." So, everyday mind, ordinary mind, it's challenging to look at, Uh, you know, it's a given that the way is perfect and all-pervading, it lacks nothing. It's inherent in each of us and inherent period. So what is everyday mind? If it's the mind that when you get up in the morning and use the restroom and drive a car and go to work or whatever your daily activities are, well, everybody's doing that, and yet everybody is not enlightened, but that's the mind they're using. If it's not that mind, if the mind we have is a deluded mind, and that's the end of it, then how can we wake up? It'd be no opportunity to wake up. We just have our deluded mind. So the challenge is there right before us. ordinary mind. Whatever it is, it must be inherent. No one can give it to us. Yet unless it is realized, then we are not awake. The world we experience is our mind. From our mind can come confusion, havoc, pain, self-referential regard, continual thoughts about me and getting what I want and avoiding what I don't want. And we can see this in the world around us. It's present pretty much in most places that you look. In fact, I'm just thinking one person is here for a month of residency just to stop the media and the addiction to media from what's going on in this country. So he entered a Zen monastery just to sh- shut off the, the web. But also from our mind can, ar- can arise thoughts and freedom from thoughts direct experience of this, and out of that a mind free of discrimination, a mind that is the doorway to profound kindness and love and compassion. And we see that too in the world. We may note that in Zazen, as we quiet down, there is space, and in that space There is the directness of reality experience. No suffering, just direct awareness as it is. This directness is our original mind, our everyday mind. Yet if we try and move towards it, it moves away. If we don't try, how can we encounter ordinary mind? So what do we do? How do we practice it? How do we enter it? So, Dogen says, sometimes you study the way by casting off mind. Sometimes you study the way by taking up mind. Either way, either way, study the mind with thinking and study the way with non-thinking. So, there's some questions there. How do you study the mind? By casting off mind. How do you study the mind? By taking up mind. Either way, study the mind with thinking or non-thinking. Dogen says, everyday mind means to maintain everyday mind in this world or in any world. Yesterday moves forth from this moment and today comes forth from this place. While going, the boundless sky goes, and while coming, the entire earth c- comes. This is everyday mind. So, given this, what is everyday mind? In a practical, real realization, usable sense in your life. And what are the how is that seen into? How do we go about realizing that? How do we realize everyday mind when we're in difficult circumstances, when we're sick, upset, confused, dying? Dogan says, everyday mind opens the door to the inner chamber. Because thousands of gates and myriads of doors open and close all at once, it is everyday mind. So how does everyday mind open the door to the inner chamber? How does that happen? Is the door open on its own? Does so it have a little switch you push and it opens? And of course, what is the inner chamber? Because thousands of gates and myriads of doors open and close all at once, it is everyday mind. Now this boundless sky and entire earth are like the unrecognized words, a voice from the deep. What are the thousands of gates and doors? What are the unrecognized words, a voice from the deep? What are your unrecognized words? How do you recognize them? Even though you do not know it, if you arouse the thought of enlightenment, you will move forward on the way of enlightenment. The moment is already here. Do not doubt it in the least. Even if you doubt it, this is nothing but everyday mind. So how do you arouse the, thought, arouse the thought of enlightenment if you doubt yourself? What do you do? You're doubting it. How, how could you possibly arouse it? So those are the questions I'm suggesting. You're welcome to bring any others up. Um, I would hope um, that we get a good mix of folks, um, people relatively new and people more experienced. Um, also, uh, perhaps those who participated last month should hold back and let others uh, step in. Uh, the line will initially, uh, it will be set off by Roxanne and San San will close. So the line is open, thank you.
2: Santi. This everyday mind likes to sharpen knives. I pull the steel across a coarse stone, and then I flip it over and I pull it across on the other side, and then I use a medium coarse stone, and then a fine stone. And uh, the knife gets very sharp. You can feel it with your skin. I want to learn how to sharpen this everyday mind.
1: How do you sharpen your knives without using your hands? May your life go well.
2: Thank you for your teaching.
3: Sanchi. Everyday mind is this feeling of anxiety, um, apprehension, uh, nervousness, Um and, and confusion. Um, and I'm, I'm really confused actually about, um, I don't really know what I'm trying to be free from anymore. Um,
1: well, you just named it,
3: but, but if I, but I want, I want to be able to feel all those things it's important to feel those things. So I don't want to, I feel like in is being it important free to
1: feel, or it's important to concentrate your feelings on those things? where are you putting your attention? Your mind creates the reality you experience. So if you're creating the reality of confusion and pain, then that's your life. But go on.
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess I, I'm, I'm concentrating, I'm, when I'm concentrating, I'm concentrating on the feeling, but like as, as a physical body, like feeling these things. Like it's mm-hmm. I guess a and a sense of ownership. Like I yeah. am feeling I'm I am feeling these things. And um I mean they feel so real and they are real but I guess it's hard it's it's difficult to see that in the moment when it is coming up that it is transitory and and something else comes up
1: Mm -hmm. Um, well it is real it has a reality and you're experiencing that reality Uh, clouds are real try and grab a cloud rainbows are real Uh, and all that we see and is before us seems to have that same reality but what is that reality
3: I'm, I don't know, but I'm, I'm curious to know.
1: <laughs> well, that curiosity is the gateway in. Uh, it needs a little more than just curious. It needs an energy. You've got plenty of energy. So turn that towards that curiosity. And, you know, sit your brains out, man. And, and when I say sit, I don't mean just through the mechanics or to cultivate more of, that, more of that mind stuff. You have to see that mind stuff, as you started off to say, but you have to see through it. So you can't stop there. That's the key. Don't stop there, and don't let it stop you. Now when you see it in Zazen, what can you do? So you're sitting there in Zazen, and a moment of specific karmic confusion to you we won't go into the details (laughs) arises what happens what do you do
3: well usually i'll i'll run with the story um Mm -hmm. but this this past week was great because it felt like i i got out of my own way and instead i i just what does
1: it mean to get out of your own way
3: I stopped creating a story around it. Mm-hmm. I stopped running with it. Instead, I—I I, there was just the feeling, and mm-hmm. and sitting within the feeling and not doing anything about it. It didn't make it go away, mm-hmm. but it—you've used the word forbearance before in mm-hmm. a retreat that you did here, and I feel like I'm—I'm I'm just starting to taste what that means, mm-hmm. and it's like there's a there's a sense of like being a, being able to withstand it and not have to react to it, or doing it like it's okay, whatever it is.
1: Yeah, that's a very powerful energy, even if it's not okay. And there will be times it's not okay, that, that the pain is so specific to us, and has such character to it, that it feels unbearable. And yet it is, it is bearable. It's bearable by shining the light of our awareness on it by totally giving yourself to it in awareness. And that's, that's a first step, is, is to allow that awareness of our pain to be present. But we can't stop there. So what's the next step?
3: Well, I guess in a, in a sense, once there's an
1: awareness there, there's,
3: there's, a certain, there's a certain level of clarity that it's, not, um, it's no longer... I'm, it's no longer a reaction of self-serving to, to in a sense, like deal with it. Um, it's,
1: it's almost it feel,
3: it's a reaction of compassion towards whatever it is that's You're happening.
1: making something very, very simple, very complex. <laughs> so you see it. In that awareness is an honoring of it, of you, of all of you. But that doesn't have to be conscious i'm just mentioning that because that is the ever-present ordinary mind wanting to to help us wake up help us be ourselves so you you simply open your hand and let it go can you open your hand so you can do that and it's not complicated it doesn't need more thought stuff which subtly is an extension of the story. May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching.
4: Shosanchi. Um, I have a young friend. She's 10. Um, She was adopted and comes from a challenging circumstance. Um, And I was talking to her the other day about um, something came up about gambling. And she said to me, um, but wouldn't you feel terrible if you won money and the other people at the table were, were poorer because of what you won, because of what you gained? And I thought, oh, <laughs> I've never thought of that before. And I just thought, um, I felt I was in the presence of bodhicitta rising. And just the beauty of this child offering something that adults don't think about or don't, or just do the opposite of, you know, celebrate when they have gain and others have loss, I I was so touched by it. And I thought, what is this wellspring of bodhicitta? Where does it come from, this child who has suffered and um, doesn't have much? And, um... I, I, I think that is such a, um, in my life, I just wonder, I think so much about why that rises and then why it doesn't, and with everyday mind, is everyday mind bodhicitta, is it a part of it, where does it, where is it in there?
1: What are the unrecognized words, a voice from the deep? That's the voice and it's in every human being, usually acted out at places like gambling tables and the innumerable ways that we suffer because we're desperate in our pain and suffering and our longing to be loved. And so here this little child offers it to you as an offering, and just as important as your own bodhicitta, is to rely on that, to have faith in that. I mean, how can you not have faith in it when you see this child who, without knowing the backstory, it doesn't matter, I know the backstory, uh, is manifesting it. And so it's such a treasure to encounter the Dharma and to be held by the Dharma and to um, give back to the Dharma because we're, we're given so much that, in this as this person, we could hardly repay all that we're given, so, you know, we better get right to work trying to do our best. But there's another point in something that, that she said that I think is really important, and um, I think often invisible, which is the term zero sum game, Mm -hmm. that somehow, and she's pointing to this, what's her name? Mikaelin. Mikaelin is pointing directly to this, that if I get something, that means you lose something. And that is how it usually is in the regular world. And it's certainly how it seems to be from the top of the political power uh, hierarchy. Um, that anyone's gain is my loss, and if my gain is at your loss, tough. Um, but that's not how it is in the Dharma. And uh, luckily there's karma, which accounts for that, but not in any necessarily in any way that we will uh, follow it in a linear way. It's much larger and more entwined and goes far into the future and far into the past. But in terms of our life, to see that those moments of um, the micro moments of of just when someone else gets something that we might want, you know, what flashes in our heart. And it can happen even with Michaela and you, you know, it's amazing how it can happen. Uh, And there are many of these when we start paying attention to it how I feel deprived when I don't get what I want and I see someone else getting what they want. And um, I think that's very pervasive and sometimes we need to pay a lot of attention to that because fundamentally nothing is given, nothing is gained, nothing is received and there's no one to do any of that. And that's what we have to see in order to, to, to say We have to see it or feel it or understand it in order to say what Michaela is saying. We have to really appreciate that. It's important. Thank you for your teaching. May your life go well.
5: (laughs) Shosanshi This morning, during caretaking, I bumped my shin on the lawnmower and I let out a stream of unrecognizable words.
1: Are you sure I wouldn't recognize him?
5: <laughs> well, you might. <laughs> and I, um, I cursed this sliver of reality that had risen up to stop me. And I cursed the cursing for resisting reality, which is my normal way of being. Mm-hmm. So. The cursing is everyday mind, out. And the resistance, is that also part of everyday mind? Sure.
1: It's all-inclusive. But it certainly isn't being realized in that moment. No. No. But But it's it's
5: reinforcing a pattern as well. Yes.
1: The hole's getting deeper. So let's take this into Zazen. So a thought arises and another thought arises, and off you go, barking your shin. And what's the thought that comes up when you realize that? More cursing. Right. Same situation. Perpetuation of habit, digging the hole deeper. So what happened out there is not an accident. So, a couple of things about that. Why are you sitting?
5: I sit in order to be cleaner in my relationships and um, more forgiving of myself and others.
1: Is that why you're following the monastic path? I'm just uh, no. exploring that. <laughs> um, Without denying that, what you just said.
5: I'm sitting in order to become cleaner in my relationships and better at forgiveness because I'm exploring the monastic path.
1: Okay. So, when Dogen starts the fascicle, I just want to make sure I quote him quote the translation correctly. Without practice, without practice, the Buddha way cannot be attained. Without study, it remains remote. It is not that there is no practice and no realization, it's just that they cannot be divided. So you're sitting there, and a thought comes, a series of thoughts come up, and then you realize it, and you do some some manifestation of cursing. So is that just delusion?
5: Well, it feels like delusion. It feels like resistance. It feels like um, trying to fight fire with kerosene.
1: So... If ordinary mind pervades the entire universe, reaching everywhere, how does that fit into that?
5: I am um, naturally reaching for, reaching into my tool
1: belt for the tools that I, that are closest at hand. I'm not sure what that means. Let me make my point. when you curse because you got lost in Zazen and yet you come back which I assume is the next step before you get lost again that's practice and realization that is whole that is ordinary mind it can be realized to various degrees in, in a kind of interesting way. And when you, you can look at realization from that perspective, but fundamentally, fundamentally, it's whole and complete, just as you are. And because of that, your effort to sit, particularly if there's a desire to awaken, all of that, does not rest in success or failure, which is what Chao Cho's question was really, or at least Quinn's answer. It's not about going towards it or going away from it. It's whole and complete. That failure that you're cursing is whole and complete. And it's whole and complete because you're whole and complete. And you're whole and complete because this is whole and complete. And nothing's left out. I'm not gonna hit you with it. <laughs> so everything is
5: to be greeted with a mind of acceptance? Or do you, you think, think you can do, do that?
1: No, I said is that the objective? No. No. Oh. Who said anything about an objective? <laughs> Let go of the objective. Just trust your own heart, your own beating heart. See why you're sitting. See why you're in these black robes. Look deeply at the questions for the deep, from the deep. That's what will help you, so that whether you curse or you bark your shins or whether you achieve some achievement in your mind, all of that is simply ordinary mind, and you don't have to give it any weight. May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching. Shazanji,
5: I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, it's my responsibility to um, take care of the audio situation. And these people have come here for the Dharma, to hear the Dharma. And I feel like I've um, given my best. And at the same time, um, it's there are probably people who can't hear right now, who can't hear it. I asked to just do this during caretaking. I had to set up the Zendo. Um you know it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I can't control everything. And I'm gonna fucking die.
1: <laughs> so what's your job here? Now sit up and die.
5: On to the next one. May your life go up. Thank you for your teaching.
4: So son. First snow of spring, a magnolia tree in Brooklyn, and I sheds all her petals in a single glance, and beneath my frozen heart Falls open, receiving each one completely untouched. Now, where is she?
1: Are you asking me? Is that it? Is that all you got? I got more. Well, I don't want more poems. What do you want? I want you to wake up. What do you have to do to do that? Poems aside.
6: Trust myself.
1: What does that mean to you? What does that actually mean? It's a nice phrase. I remember when uh, we were filming Dido's memorial film, which didn't come out well, and the whole theme was trust yourself, and nobody told me. And I came in to be filmed, and they said, what was Dido's teaching that you know that you came away with? And I forget exactly what I said, but it wasn't trust myself. <laughs> and they said, "Oh, wasn't it trust myself?" I said, "No, it was." Da, 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 da. <laughs> that was the end of that interview. So we're not at the end of this interview. Good. What does trust yourself mean? What has to be let go of?
4: This heart.
1: What does that mean?
7: This.
1: Okay, I think I think this is a, a worthwhile place to investigate. Please investigate it. Okay, may your life go well.
6: Shil I spend so much of my everyday effort in trying to force reality to be what I want it to be and to force my life to be what I feel like I want it to be. And um, I feel like I've worked a lot on accepting that I have a perspective and there are things that I want in life. But I feel like if I'm not getting right now what I want, if people around me are not doing what I want giving me what I want that I must be doing something wrong you know Mm. and like I'm not am I not really practicing is that why I'm not satisfied it's like what is the right effort you know what is the right effort in my everyday mind and being patient and in pushing and in asking and in waiting
1: so you know when we ask the question like that and answer it like that it becomes very small very Mm. contained and it's a, it's a lose-lose situation, because when will you ever stop criticizing yourself internally? Any ideas on that?
6: I'm working on
1: it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to suggest never, because that's our, that's our discursive mind. Yeah. Uh, it's never satisfied. Yeah. That's, by the way, part of everyday mind, or part isn't a good expression of it, but it's, it is everyday mind. Uh, but again, not realized, not manifest. So, feel that, that without rejecting, if that's everyday mind, without rejecting that, where does your heart reside? Why, why are you wearing this robe, this rock suit? Why are you here? What is this about for you? You know, that's the question we ask everybody, e- even subtly when they come for a Zen training weekend, you know, or a little more when they come for residency, and a little more when they want to become a student, a lot more when they want to become a student, and on and on and on and on. What do you want? And you know, it isn't... It's meant as an invitation rather than a challenge for you to explore what, what, what you want. And it's not that there's a right answer, there's innumerable ways, but there's a right energy to it, a right sense of, does what you want align with what what the realization of the Dharma is, which is what we're supposed to be doing here? And it's not that simple, because all of us have a a different sense of who we are, and a different karma, and a different expression of that. But that is completely trustworthy when it's connected. And that takes this little box of ourself and blows it up. When we go back to just resting on me and mine and take a breath or whatever that is that allows us to see a little more than we're seeing at that moment. So that's what I'm gonna suggest you trust. Your, your desire to awaken, however that manifests, because I know it's there. Um, so however that is alive in you and can be fertilized and watered and grown, uh, that's G-R-O-W-N. <laughs> um, and not, uh, so, so that when the criticism, the self-criticism of others, which is the same as the self-criticism of yourself, comes up and becomes alive, That same energy can be turned into wanting to realize yourself. Well, how? So, there you are with that self criticism, other criticism, and yet there's some connection, there's some awareness of why you're practicing. What are the possibilities there? I'm asking.
6: I feel love. That doesn't, like, it's not a Hallmark card, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel love for now, for life, and for whatever I'm feeling, and whoever I am, and whoever I'm sitting with, and the fire burning inside of me, or the dullness, this life right now. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the voice from the deep.
1: It is for me as well. So our, our practice is to make that connection in the most in the smallest of times, when there is no exit. And, and, you know, that's the death that we just saw a moment ago. That is the death, and it is a death, but it's a death we can live. And you know you can do that, because you've done it. And we can do that, together as a sangha, together as practitioners. May your life go well.
6: Thank you for your teaching.
8: So so Sancho. I come forward and take this seat of liberation to free myself from the fear of coming forward and of being seen.
1: Well here you are.
8: Yes, and here I am. And you're free. Yes. I'm <laughs> in my experience, um, sooner or later, usually later, in my book, the moment I turn toward the thing I fear and sit with it and hold it gently, not push it away, it dissolves but it takes so long sometimes before I can find the courage to turn toward the thing that I know is empty and will dissolve. This, I guess, part of being human. And I don't think I'd give that up for anything.
1: I'm going to suggest a shortcut. Really? Yeah. Okay. Don't wait till you have the courage.
8: Oh. (laughs) Well, I was kind of shaken back there, so, um, you know, okay. Yeah.
1: And, well, we all get nervous. Yeah. And if every time we got nervous, that stopped us from doing. Right. A lot of things that we do, we wouldn't do. And some of those things are really important. Like this. Yes. Very important. So you don't have to wait to feel a particular way. You do have to understand what you're doing in this hall. That's what helps you. And that is courage. That's what courage is. It's not a feeling. It's that voice from the deep that every being has, human or otherwise. May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching.
0: Shun Sanji. The inner chamber. I love that. Um, I don't know what it is, but I know I have it. Um, my heart is beating, I'm actually kind of fast right now, and I don't know why, you know, I'm not, what I think is me is not in charge of that. Um, I had babies, and I grew them somehow. <laughs> I don't know how I did that, but I did that. Um, When I write poems and, like, I'm writing and this, it's just not working, and I I tell my students, I'm like, delegate it to your unconscious. Delegate all the work to your unconscious. Because then the next day, oh, that's what the word should be. That's what the line should be. Um, Isn't all of that ordinary mind?
1: Sure. Sure. But to realize it, I mean, what you're describing, you know, is really part of the creative process.
8: Mm
1: -hmm. And, you know, ordinary mind doesn't exclude anything. But to realize ordinary mind as your own body and mind, which also obviously is the same non-exclusion, is um, is not the same as that usual kind of ordinary mind. There's something less there that arises from that inner chamber. And so Everyday mind opens the gate of the inner chamber. So, what do you think the inner chamber is? I mean, you described all this creativity flowing forth from you and from others. Where does that come from? And you described many other things. Where does all this come from? What does it rest on? Why is there so much suffering in the world? The inner chamber is, seems to be inner, but actually it reaches everywhere. Um, Many years ago, um, I did a pilgrimage with Kapla Roshi to Barbador. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It was a ancient uh, Buddhist site that was lost in the jungle for six or 700 years in Indonesia. And um, when, Subsequent religions came in, was buried, and so on and so forth. It's an enormous site, unimaginably large. And the, it's, it's in concentric circles, and on the walls of every inch of these concentric circles, which rise up, is stories of the Buddha's life, carved. And at the top is his chamber, which you can see into. What's in the chamber?
0: The same air that's all around it.
1: Exactly. Well said. Well said. And that is the source. That is the real source. And our job, our practice, which starts with the first impulse to practice, is to realize that as our own body and mind, to, to, to realize it in a way that it speaks us so that nothing is apart from us, so that all that air that's flowing through that chamber, all of this is us, and manifesting as this mother, teacher, poet, human being. And the suffering that comes along with living. And that's happening as we're sitting here. That's the point. And the point is to trust that happening rather than to measure it as some subtle form of defeat when I don't achieve how my mind's supposed to be. May your life go well.
9: Thank you
1: for your teaching. Shosanchi,
9: ordinary mind is when I don't desire me.
1: When you don't desire?
9: When I don't don't desire me, myself, my sense of self.
1: Mm. Well, how about when you do?
9: I practice it because I'm a human being. I will desire myself, at least sometimes, but I know it's most of the time, almost always.
1: So when you say desire yourself, I'm I'm taking that to mean that you're coming out of self-concern, you're looking to fulfill your own desires, help me.
9: Yes, to get what I want, Mm -hmm. to feel good, Mm -hmm. um, to do what I think is great, which is Mm -hmm. getting what I want, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and not getting what I don't want.
1: Okay. Is that original with you?
9: It doesn't seem so. (laughs) (laughs) No,
1: I assure you it's not. (laughs) Although in its own way, it's original with all of us. (laughs) So there you are. And that is ordinary mind, but it's the ordinary mind that we see all around us. And I say, but, but you don't need the but. It's the ordinary mind that I see all around us. It's the mind of delusion. It's the mind of pain. Nothing personal. We all share in this. And so, are you interested in what the ordinary mind is? That doesn't rest in delusion? Yes. Experiencing that? So how will you go about doing that?
9: Um, I practice. I try to get... um, I try not to push it away. And... Well, maybe I should just stop trying and just get into it and see it. Sense.
1: Well, it makes sense. It sounds vague, though. Um, how, how, you know, we have to decide in any given time in practice, really, um, whether, we'll, whether we want to set a limit or we don't want to just let go of limits and let our life in zazen in regard to the dharma just have open, myriad possibilities. Um, and the way I frame it to myself, I'm be a little stupid. You know, don't be so smart about this. And the, we need to get very specific. We're talking here in general terms. We need to get very specific in the moments of our life with what these desires are and how they arise, we need to study it. So, without practice, the Buddha way cannot be attained. Without study, it remains remote. And so, our work, our job, is for the Buddha way to not be remote. Don't worry about ordinary mind and what it is, although that's, you know, we're using that as an entry point. And the, the entry point is to really to study our own mind. And we have to study our own mind in the specifics of that, in the specifics of the things, the specific things that arise. And what happens then? So it's not a generalization. It's not a philosophical kind of thing. Do you do that? Um,
9: I, I I guess I can offer an example. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to hate falling asleep during session, mm-hmm. and I know I want to wake up, and I try my best to wake up, and I just can't wake up, and it drives me nuts that I can't wake up. But I I guess this I guess this week I see that. There is something else in there. It's not that I don't fall asleep, I do, or dozing off, I do, but there's something in there that I can work with. And I don't know what I don't know how how to say it. It's not like, oh, you know, put yourself awake. You know, I you know you are trying. I know I was trying. I know there's effort. And there's a quality in there that is taking me through the difficulty, that it doesn't really, necess- it doesn't necessarily feel like a difficulty, even though the sleepiness, I mean, is
1: there. Yeah. Well, that's what's trustworthy. And notice what happened. You, something was given up. I suspect some of the effort to make it the way you want it. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep. Didn't work. No matter what you did, it didn't work. So there you were with it, and you kept practicing. And so this is important. Something happened that you don't know anything about, and yet is you. That's trustworthy. We don't know it. We can't measure it. We can't frame it. But it is you. Cultivate that, please. May your life go well. Thank you for your teaching.
7: Mm-hmm. Sanji. So I think maybe you'll be able to meet me in this place because I feel like in many ways you're a soulmate in what my struggle is. So I wear a lot of hats in this life, and I'm looking at seventy. And I've caused a lot of harm in this life and pain along the way of this path and practice that I've been so devoted to. And being devoted and practicing, thinking I was practicing, in fact, I caused a great deal of harm. And I have tremendous shame, regret, and sorrow. And so my question is, and my struggle is, the thinking I'm clear when I'm actually confused, feeling that I'm devoting my life to this precious dharma and practice, and finding out that I caused so much pain with each hat. How do I hold the atonement and live in the wholeness of this path that I know is so true?
1: Good question. So please listen carefully, because I do relate to what you say. Without in any measure, to the slightest extent, removing any aspect of atonement for our actions, wholly acknowledging the wrongs that I have done and the harms that I have caused, Atonement, too, is empty. May your life go well.
7: Thank you for your teaching.
1: One of the questions I offered was what opens the door to the inner chamber? And that came up over and over and over again. I mean, in one sense, ordinary mind opens the door, as Dogen says. But what opens the door to your inner inner chamber? And that rests on the question of what you want. What do you want in this practice? What do you want in this life? And I'm not talking about the usual ways of describing how the things we get come our way or don't come our way. Because when you die, it won't matter. None of that's going to go with you. But what will matter is the life you're living and the person you are and the love and compassion, the connection and the intimacy that you have or may not, it's not a yes or no thing, obviously, with those around you, with the sangha, and with those not in the immediate sangha because the Sangha reaches everywhere. And that, that is a very personal question. It's very karmic, if you would. But it's, I think, the most important personal question a human being can ask is, what do you want for this life? As this person, as this body, you have this life, that's it. And as some of us older-boned people know, that life can end at any moment, any moment. And you won't know and you won't be prepared, perhaps. And yet, we're alive now. We do have the freedom, not necessarily of the outer circumstances of our life, although we often have more freedom there than we allow ourselves, but we do have the freedom to practice our life in such a way, understanding that the practice is awakening, that they can't be separated. There is practice, there is awakening, and there is a single whole being that is your life, if that's the life you want. And although every single one of us have our own unique circumstances and karma, that practice realization is available to every single one of us. And that karma that comes out of that practice realization, this is not a promise of reward, because karma doesn't work that way, but the effect of that practice realization reaches far into the sky and across the universe, across the country. It affects everybody you know and many more that you don't know. And so I guess this is a plea for you to investigate what you want for your life, specifically in relation to the Dharma. And no matter what the answer is, it's fine. But please continue to question that, to question it to your dying breath. Because from my perspective, that's why we're on this earth and that's that perspective of why we're on this earth addresses the zero-sum game
0: thanks so much for listening the monastery's quarterly journal mountain record has a new home at mountainrecord.org For over 30 years, Mountain Record has been offering spiritual seekers of all faiths a unique journey through words and images. Each quarterly issue delivers a thought-provoking array of classic teachings, contemporary wisdom, stunning photographs, and news from the mountains and rivers order. For more information, to subscribe, or to read our open access articles, visit mountainrecord.org.